COVID-19 exposed the vulnerabilities of people and systems. It forced many of us to make difficult decisions about our lives. Being in isolation and under lockdowns gave people time to reminisce about the past or look to a future that they believed could bring fulfillment. The pandemic also saw a rise in new experiences. Families expanded and more women started to make decisions on whether or not they wanted to have babies. This is a series of stories of Dominican women and their experiences during COVID-19 pandemic. On this episode, we hear from a new single mom. Welcome to Black Island Girl. I'm your host and narrator, JL Joseph. This story was difficult to tell for all intended purposes. We decided to use a pseudonym for my next guest. This episode is called Jackie. There was this um, uh, a happening of locusts um, in, in, in Dominica. And as a child, we, well, I, I grew up in a Christian home and we were made to believe that it was the end of the world. And when Corona hit, I think I had that same feeling. When it finally reached us in Dominica and, and the Caribbean and even countries like, you know, South America, and you started hearing of all the, all the people who were dying and, you know, it, it took me back to that time. And I, for a split moment, I felt as if, okay, maybe that is what my parents used to talk about. Like, you know, the world is coming to an end. That's how I felt. And um, I remember, you know, just, just feeling this sense of despair and um, wondering what was going to happen to my family, what was going to happen to the rest of the world. Which, which, which kind of had a lot to do with decisions that I later made in my life. So at what point did you make those decisions? Yeah, um, I think after the, 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 the first um, wave of COVID, you know, things, the di- things died down. And um, yeah, it's, it got me thinking about my life, you know, like um, my purpose in life. You know, I felt like I had um, reached to the point where I needed something different. And I think it's, it really, it was after COVID. And I think I really felt as if, I should, know, I should say, I know it was COVID who brought on that decision. I felt like I needed some, something extra in my life. And so I decided that I wanted to have a baby. And, um, you know. Um, I'm 42 years of age, so from the time you hit 35, you're considered, you know, high risk. But it was a decision that I took because I felt I like am I a mom, and at times life, during I this interview, like I compared I my experience COVID, to that um, you know, of Jackie. Of world, like, this was not done in an effort had, to take away from I Jackie's experience, but rather to provide a comparison was, to my experience having both my children in North America. Yeah. Somebody mm-hmm. might say, 
you had a fear of the end of the world and things yes. going to an end. But it's like you're choosing to bring another human being into a fearful world. Right. Somebody might say that. What would you what would you say? Well, yeah. I, I, I can see that. I can see why someone would, would, would say that. However, um I that was the that was the feeling I had. I felt like that would complete me, that would complete complete my life. Mm-hmm. And even if I didn't make it, say I died from, from the virus or something happened that my child would be taken care of by my family members and it would be part of me that would be left behind. That that's that's how I felt. I don't regret my decision and um I'm really happy that I had I had a baby and it's not in the best of time. Yes, I agree. But it's almost as if he's re- I mean he's bringing meaning to my life. And even with this whole COVID situation, I don't know. I, I feel like I would have been in a very different position and mindset had I not had a baby. The truth is, um, many people were not aware that I was pregnant, simply because it didn't show so much, right? And so many people were not aware that I was pregnant, and still, many people still aren't aware that I was pregnant and had a baby, right? It was um, really a joyful experience. Um, I really did not have many issues, like uh, stories I've heard about women having um, during pregnancy. I didn't experience morning sickness. I I did not um, feel just cravings. I never even had cravings for foods, any kind of of foods, anything of that sort. She worked right up until the end. Everything was fine until her 39th week. So everything was fine. I go, you know, I have my regular visits to my gyno and um, everything is fine. And then that day, you know, you do the P-test. You know about that today, right? So I did the P-test and it turns blue, I think. And she, I see her, you know, she comes and I can see that there's something wrong. And I said, okay. Um, what is it today? And she says to me, you sure you want to know? And I said, yes. And she says to me, you have to go to the hospital and you have to check yourself into the hospital. And I said, why? And she says, well, your your urine test shows um, it was at an elevated level. And so she recommended, wrote up the paper and recommended that I check myself into the hospital. And I remember I was so devastated because I, from that moment, I realized, okay, that could be the beginning of some, you know, complications. And um, immediately my mind went on to the possibility of not having the baby, how I would want to have the baby. So I had to admit myself to the hospital. I remember she told me you have one hour to get yourself to the hospital. And I was so, I there's so many emotions I felt at that moment. I was mad because I felt like maybe, what did I do? Did I, was I taking too much sugar, too much of something? Did I do that to myself? And I, I was feeling afraid, I was angry, I was um, annoyed. It's an inconvenient. It's like, you just have to pick up now and move to the hospital where it's not your home, it's not your room, it's not your, all your basic necessities that you have, your comfort isn't, that's not yours anymore. 
So, yeah, so I remember going home, preparing myself, and your bag's already packed, of course. So I took that, I, I, I called someone, and they dropped me off and checked myself in. That's where my journey and the hospital began. say that my experience was one of the best ones let's just say that I, I, I expected more of the hospital I expected more of um, being a pregnant woman um, I expected more attention to um, you know, details to there, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of different things that I can talk about but let's just say that I feel like things need to be changed what needs to be changed the mentality of the nurses, for example, I feel as if my time there revealed that nurses at the hospital are very, what is the word, they are, they are not happy. It almost felt as if they were, they like they're passing their stress on patients. That's how it felt. Really and truly, that's how it felt. The, the, the attitudes, of the nurses, I feel like um, there's a lot to, left to be desired. I will give a specific instance where I saw really ill treatment of a Haitian woman and that is that is one of the things that really stuck with me because it affected me and my well-being <laughs> while I was there she was you know the manner in which the nurses spoke with her she's a Haitian of course there's a language barrier there's always going to be a language barrier and um, the way they approached her um, it just it really was terrible. It was a situation where she was um, being asked to to get ready to be induced and she had not known anything about it and um, she was just being belittled and being barraged, you could say. How did that make you feel? I felt really sad for her. I felt sad for her. I felt sad for, I felt kind of ashamed to an extent because I I was almost in shock that that was how she was being spoken to, how she was being dealt with. It's really made a mark on my spirit, on my energy. Yeah, so I remember them, um, you know, coming to her. It was very early in the morning and, and they like, you know, they're speaking to her in Creole, broken Creole, and you know you, um, you know you have to get up, get up, get up. You don't you know that you're being induced today, and um, you know of course she's not understanding and um, she's confused. And I remember having to help her sort of herself, you know, trying to calm her and so on and so forth. And then soon after that, my um, the assistant to my doctor came in, and I specifically remember telling her about the situation and what happened, and I told her. I said, um, no woman should have to go through this where you're just being told you're sleeping, first of all. You, you, the nurses come, 
they wake you and tell you that you have to be induced. I said, there must be a different way to do this. Um, being induced is not an easy thing, you know? Like the, the person should have at least some time to digest that. And I said to her, please promise me that this is not going to happen to me. And she said, um, okay, that will not happen to you. And <laughs> it's, it's really a funny story because the following day, the exact thing that I did not, the exact situation I did not want to happen to me was what happened to me. The, the same um, assistant to the doctor came in and she said, I have some news. And I said, okay, good news or bad news? And she said, well, um, both. So she said, well, yes, your results are in for the two tests that you did, um, but you are being induced today. And I remember just feeling the life drain out of me. There was still the threat of COVID-19 and Jackie's family was allowed limited access to her. She soon learned that she would have to agree to an induction. What she didn't expect was the moment that the doctor told her that a cesarean would follow as her cervix would not dilate. It was a safe delivery. And then she woke up. Pain. <laughs> serious serious pain and then i look across and i see my beautiful gorgeous little baby you know and um you know i try to get up and i really can't and there's like no nurses around no help no nothing at that point um it's a surreal moment because the baby's right across from me i can't even reach to touch the baby and uh, there's no one next to me to help me in any way, shape or form. So, um, so eventually I, I, I asked one of my, one of the people in the room if they could call the nurse for me and uh, ask them to move the cubicle so I could touch the baby. That is what happened. I asked them to put the baby onto the bed for me so I could breastfeed. And um, I'm trying to breastfeed, but I think my body at that time is in shock. I can tell that the baby is not getting much from my breath. I can, I can tell, I can feel. So the nurses, at some point, you know, they're making the rounds and I, I tell the doctor, the nurse, you know, I really don't think that the baby's getting anything from my breasts. So she does her examination and she squeezes my breast and she says, um, you know, there's some colostrum, don't worry, the baby's okay. Um, um, the little bit that he's getting will keep him on. I, I said to her, no, I don't think that he's getting enough. I think you should, um, can I, can I ask that he get some formula? And she, she says, no, you know, the hospital has a policy of, um, breast is best. And we try not to have, um, pa parents give their babies, um, formula so young and so on and so on. So she's going into, and I said, I really think that he's hungry. She, she says, no, the baby's fine, you know. And then later on in the day, they make the second round and they are checking out the baby and she goes into panic and I see, you know, everything changes. And she's like, okay, we have to get that baby to the nursery. His blood pressure is low and so on and so forth. And I'm like, you know, at that moment, I almost lost it, you know, because I'm like, I told you all from the beginning that he's not getting enough. It did not have to get to that point, you know, like 
sometimes we have to listen to the parents because they know better and so on and so on. They rush him to the to the, the you know the nursery and uh, panic now. We'll have a C-section. Mm-hmm. I've experienced a C-section. Yeah. How's your mobility like? Even like at that point. Yeah. So during that round, the nurse is like, you know, you can't just stay on the bed. You know, you have to get up and walk. And um, I'm like, I cannot get up. <laughs> She's like, well, you have to get up and walk. You know, he's now in nursery and it's quite a distance from my room. And he has to be breastfed with the little that I have so I have to wake every two hours to go to the nursery which is about you know five minutes walk in my state you know to the nursery and it was really quite a challenging period mm-hmm. from the you know the, the eventually I'm discharged from from the of ward and moved into nursery into the nursery ward where I'm closer to him mm-hmm. but the the two days I think that I spent in the Stranoff ward and having to walk back and forth with a newly cut was quite a challenging experience. Very challenging experience. And really and truly there's not there's there's not much support. You know, you're just on your own. After you make your baby, basically you're on your own. You are pretty much on your own for almost everything. Not for meal, you know, like even like meals, you know, like the the meals are brought in. You're not told, okay, that the, the meals are there. Even like you're new, you don't know the system of the hospital. So no one tells you, okay, at that point in the day, the food arrives and, you know, you go. And this is how you check for your lunch because based on your bedside number, then you, you, you get no one. There's no intro, there's no crash course, there's no nothing nothing and so you're just on your own and then it got worse yeah so the country goes on lockdown my baby's in nursery i move into nursery um into nursery section for the moms and um there's there are some other mothers of course in the nursery so we're just there not much is being said the days are passing of course they tell you what they're treating your child for and so on and so forth limited with limited information, I should say, you realize, okay, you can leave. So what's keeping you here? You know, so you begin to ask questions. I began asking questions, but not much has been said. Um, not, you know, what was, questions were you asking? Um, you know, why am I still here? Why can't I go home? Why must I stay here for that long? You know, like my baby just had a lot, a little bit of low blood sugar you know so like why am i being kept eventually i started demanding some answers and so eventually the pediatrician on, on call decided to have a meeting with us and you know that was when we were told that somebody had tested positive on the ward a mom and so we could not be discharged yet Jackie and her new baby are tested and then discharged. She returns to her home where she is alone on a daily basis with her newborn. I, I felt at that, let me see, for the first time, we, during that first month, 
I felt like, oh my God, what did I do to myself for the first time? During that first month, I started thinking to myself, maybe that I had I chose a wrong time to have a baby, you know? Um, because I always felt that once I had a a baby, you know, I belong to a large family and we are into our nieces and nephews and you know, I always felt like when I had a baby, I would have no problem, you know, I would have the support of my mom. My mom would come from the country and spend the the, the at least the first month so you could sleep in and your your you get visits from your you know your sisters and you could take naps and even get a chance to go have a drink with your friends and that was what I envisioned having a baby. Always envisioned having a baby. But with the whole COVID situation, it just wasn't that situation. My none of my sisters felt like they wanted to put my baby at risk to come see me. None of my brothers or my sisters or close friends or no one. Even the the first appointment with the nursery follow-up, nursery appointment with the hospital was via telephone, right? And um, that was how serious it was. So it was just a really, really challenging. The first month, I felt a little bit of despair, I think. I could probably say that I experienced a very short period of postpartum depression. There was little to no communication from the hospital or doctors. At the time of this interview, Jackie is scheduled to return to work in a few weeks, but her baby is less than six months old. And because of the second COVID-19 wave, daycares are closed. She must make a difficult decision. I am in limbo. I may have to make hard decisions for my life, for my child. Um, I may have to forego work for the rest of the year to stay home and take care of my child. It's a difficult, it's a difficult time, it's a difficult, it's a difficult situation, and I, it's, it's sad, kind of, because um, I feel like there's just not enough consideration for women and women having children. You know, women generally and women having children. I mean, we are producing the next generation. We are nurturing the next generation and I feel like there's just not enough consideration that goes into the psychological welfare of women and specifically pregnant women, specifically mothers. And I feel as if like women are being taken for granted. The, the contribution of women are being taken for granted. And that is what I think this whole experience left me with the, the, the notion that governments or the government in Dominica needs to do more where women are concerned. Both in, in so many ways, in the workplace, in education, in childcare, in you know, after school programs, I feel like there's so much that needs to be done. You had a child much later in life, yeah. so to speak. Mm-hmm. So there are, and there are other women who do this mm-hmm. every two years, every three years. Yeah. Looking at your experience versus seeing other people having babies. Yeah. Like, how do you see women now? Oh, I think women are superheroes. Superheroes, I tell you. I have one. And I, to me, I know that I cannot do this again. 
I, I know that. I mean, people always say, oh, I'm never say never. I know I cannot do this again, especially if I have to go for another C-section. The physical toll that it takes on your body, mixed with the psychological toll that it can take, I, I, I'm not willing to go through this again. And I think that women who go through this most of the time, they're just superheroes. This podcast series called Dominican Women, My COVID-19 Experience was taped over a two-week period in October of 2021. It was funded by the Clara Lionel Foundation as part of Internews' Eastern Caribbean Small Grants Program to support the production of stories of COVID-resilient groups and communities in Barbados and Dominica. Dominican Women, My COVID-19 Experience was recorded in person and produced by Black Island Girl Multimedia. Special thanks to women like Jackie who shared their stories. Until next time. Hi.